Here's hoping the Thanksgiving holiday was a great one for you. Whether braving increasingly cold climbs all around the country on the road or enjoying time off at home. I'm Todd Dills, your host for this post-Turkey Day edition of the Overdrive Radio podcast for November 25th, 2022. And we're going to revisit Overdrive news editor Matt Cole's reporting from mid to late October around truck-involved crash statistics in the four years prior to and the four years after implementation of the ELD mandate, which began in earnest right at the end of 2017. As many in this audience have likely seen, Cole's report illustrated the generally high rate of crashes post-mandate, and yes, we're not just talking about general volume of incidents, but accident rates, calculated both per estimated power unit and per estimated mile, with the exception of the 2020 year, when crashes, injuries, and fatalities all fell off a cliff with a dearth of four-wheeler traffic on the nation's roads amid the fear and uncertainty of the early pandemic period, and you know, even considering that 2020 year, mid the four years post-mandate, the four years prior to the mandate showed generally better safety outcomes than the four years after by this analysis. So there's a correlation between regulatory change in the ELD mandate and those negative safety impacts, but can we really determine there's a cause there? It's hard to say, given so many factors go into the cause of any crash. Not least among those causal factors, the often quote-unquote unprofessional driving behavior of our four-wheeler friends. Just refer back to the 2020 year I noted earlier for evidence of that. Question of cause and effect around the ELD mandate, though, certainly a conversation starter for Overdrive's owner-operator audience. Attended to Cole's reporting, we surveyed owner-operators, and the overwhelming majority feel the mandate has at least contributed to safety negative effects. Today. We're going to hear a variety of viewpoints on the cause and effect question, both from contributing reporting from video editor Lawson Rudisel surveying owners about the ELD mandate and safety connection, or lack thereof, and from Matt Cole's own interviews. If you missed Cole's report, find it at overdriveonline.com. Search ELDs and Highway Safety to pull it right up. We can't count Michigan-headquartered small fleet owner Bud Davenport among the majority who see some safety impact from the mandate, exactly. Yet, Cole's talk with Davenport is instructive when it comes to the state of play for driver training that other owners feel has been exacerbated by the mandate. So I'm going to tell you, you know, when I started driving, we had what we call old school drivers. Um, you know, they didn't run on locks. They didn't run on, you know, the government wasn't as tight uh, on them as they are today. And when they trained you how to drive a truck, they trained you. They taught they taught you they taught you courtesy. They they taught you, you know, the rules of the road and what the rules of the roads were in, in that time. Well, the problem is all those old timers are gone, and I'm the generation. I'm the last generation of of drivers taught by old schoolers. And we're talking guys from the 60s to 50s. Um, you know, I had trainers that been driving. And I mean, when I started driving in 89, I had guys that had been driving since 68, 65, you know, and it was a different time. It was a, it was a, it was different. It was different trucks. These guys had pride in what they did and they were proud to be truckers. Uh, so they passed that on to you. They passed that on to you. And even though we didn't have CDLs, I came I came into the industry before CDLs were were invented. Right. CDLs came in ninety two. I came in I came in eighty nine. So had the chauffeur's license. license. Yeah. 
So I was grandfathered into uh, CDLs, but I mean, these were the best drivers. And when I when I got my CDL, I mean, when I got my my, my commercial license or my chauffeur's license to drive trucks, it was uh, I was trained not not at a school. I was trained by uh, by a personal friend that owned a truck that was able to sign a piece of paper. They said I drove a truck for this many hours, for this many miles. I took it to my DMV gave it to him and I got my license yeah. <laughs> and that's what it was. Right? right. So, uh, and then I, you know, I was out driving. So as, as we, as we got older, you know, and you get more experience and you really don't become a trucker until you get out on the road. So when you, when you wipe out this generation of drivers like me, because the generation before me is now gone. So mm-hmm. I'm first generation now. When this generation leaves, then we have these, new drivers nobody's taught them how to drive a truck how to be courteous how not to be in a hurry take your time you know we we lived under the theory that everything on this truck they make every day except you right like everything on a truck even the truck they make every single day except the person that's behind the wheel they get in the trucks and they drive them like they drive their cars. Even even our drivers, if you if you're just out and about driving your car around, you see that the people that drive their cars are not like the drivers from the eighties in the in the seventies. They're different. Everybody's in a hurry. You put your turn signal on to get over, and you see them they speed up and just close you out just for a space to go nowhere. Well, they drive the trucks the same way. You speed through the parking lots, twenty five miles an hour. So uh, the truck is just different. Uh, and, and, you know, back in the day when we started driving, you, we, you know, it was a rule. Same gear you used to go up the hills is the same gear as you used to go down. So now the trucks are so technically advanced that you, you can go up the hill, you can go up a hill in a way higher gear than you need to go down. Right. On that other side. So, you know, the trucks that give you a false sense of security. And, and before you know it, you went down a hill way too fast. Mm-hmm. And now you can't stop. We'll hear more from Davenport and several owners on the broader subject of what's changed or not. Right after this break for a word from Overdrive Radio's sponsor, the House Company, makers of leading anti-gel winter fuel treatments, Diesel Treat, and Lifeline. Among many other products, some of which you can get free of charge with just a simple call to Overdrive Radio's podcast message line. Leave me a message at 615-852-8530 with your name and location. And I'll get back in touch for your shipping information for a Howe's prize pack featuring both fuel treatments, the Howe's multi-purpose penetrating oil, and more swag from the company. Again, that's 615-852-8530. Leave me a message there. With winter fast approaching, it's time to prepare yourself for the conditions that lie ahead. By adding Howe's Diesel Treat at every fill-up, you can prevent your diesel fuel from gelling in even the coldest temperatures. While it safely removes water, adds lubricity, and prevents deposits, the nation's number one anti-gel will help protect your engine and provide you with the added power you crave. Backed by the only no-tow guarantee, Howe's Diesel Treat will keep you rolling no matter what weather comes your way. Learn more at houseproducts.com. House, tested, trusted, guaranteed. That's House, H-O-W-E-S, houseproducts.com. Okay, 
You've heard this owner-operator's voice before, part of our last round of commentary from several owners who showed at the Mayberry Truck Show back in late September and early October in North Carolina about the then-current prospect for a bona fide economic recession. Uh, my name is John Hiley. I've been leased to Landstar for 20 years. Um, I haul mostly specialized liftgate, freight, entertainment, uh, things that require a little bit of special attention. Yeah, we do uh, concert tours, a uh, lot, of, lot of things that, uh, like I said, require extra equipment. We have the lift gate, we have ramps, a uh, lot of straps, full decking, a lot of extra equipment that we carry so we can do different things. Owner-operator John Hiley's commentary on possible connections between safety outcomes the last four years since the ELD mandate came into play in some ways threads the needle between that and the degradation of training that small fleet owner Bud Davenport emphasized for its own safety implications just a moment ago. John Hiley took us back long before the U.S. Congress required FMCSA to put a ELD mandate in place in 2012. Years before the ELD mandate went through, uh, myself and a group of other people found out that uh, the FMCSA was looking at something along these lines. Uh, we tried to get drivers on board and completely failed with it. Nobody thought that it would ever happen. Um, by the time people started getting on board to fight the ELD mandate, it was already a done deal. We basically predicted everything that we're seeing right now, uh, but they didn't want to listen. They were more worried about statistics than anything else. Uh, a lot of times statistics will outweigh real life. Um, we've seen the accidents go up. Um, it's a bad idea. You can't, you can't put a stopwatch on a driver. Um, anytime that you're doing a job and you're being timed to do that job to a certain level, you're going to start rushing that job. And I don't know anybody that doesn't do a job, get in a hurry, and then mess the job up. Uh, it changed the ratio of drivers out here. We had a lot of older guys and we had a mix with the younger generation that gave the younger generation the opportunity to see the older guys, see their actions, see their driving habits, and learn from them. Well, under the ELD mandate, most of us got into this industry because we like the freedom, we like the independence. A lot of guys that were close to the retirement age said, we're done. If you're gonna hold a thumb down on us, we're not gonna do it anymore. That changed the ratio of the old guys to the new guys. So now, all the new guys don't have those mentors the older guys to follow. I, I was blessed starting into this. My dad was a driver. My dad's friends were drivers, so I had people that taught me all the time and just listened to the stories they told. That's how I got my education. And then, of course, riding with my dad. Um, these, these young folks today don't have anybody really to show them the ropes. And I think the ELD has been a, it's been a problem in so many ways. Um, it forces you into drive time. Uh, back in the old days, if we want to say that, you know, if you were going into a city in the middle of rush hour, it was very easy just to stop, wait two or three hours, let the traffic die down. If there was an accident, let it die down, you know? Decrease the amount of traffic that's in a highly populated area. There's no reason to, for you to add to the problem. You know, you could stop outside of town, read a book, have a piece of pie, drink some coffee, whatever. Wait for the situation to clean up and then go through. Now with this 14 hour clock, they push us to keep rolling, you know, cause that day's, that day's ticking away on you. And I think it puts a lot of people in situations where they don't want to be there. I've seen more people since this ELD mandate started pushing faster than they should in inclement weather, whether it be rain or snow or whatever, because they're trying to beat that clock. And it, it hasn't been good. I mean, and the statistics show it. The accident rate has gone up consistently since this mandate went into effect. 
Q5F fleet leased owner-operator Mel Williams, also showing out at Mayberry. Well, when I first started, I was a company driver, so I was forced to use ELDs. And the whole time I ran an ELD, I was aware 30 minutes can make or break your day. 30 minutes can determine whether you're sleeping at a truck stop that you are completely uncomfortable at, and you're worried about your safety, or you're sleeping somewhere where you can be comfortable and rest easy at night. I have been in situations where I've had to stop a mile before I was at my delivery to take a 30 minute break. I think that that's a little, I understand the purpose for it. The safety, I understand all of that, but I think that it is far too rigid and strict. I have had plenty of days where I'm exhausted. I've driven 200 miles, I'm exhausted. I gotta stop and take a nap. And I've had other days where I'll drive the full 11 and I'm still wide awake. I feel like it regulates us. And unfortunately, we know our bodies. Well, not unfortunately. Fortunately, we know our bodies. We know when we're tired. We know when we're not tired. Owner operator Williams went on to reference the pressure to go, go, go that so many feel is the number one psychological drawback of the ticking clock dynamics reinforced by the hours of service now recorded with an electronic time clock. The hours rules themselves could be, she felt, engineered to incentivize rest. There is, however, today, a way to take at least two hours worth of that rest and not lose the time on your 14-hour duty clock. FMCSA's new split sleeper, in place since the 2020 hours changes, made that possible for the first in a long, long time. Find a link to a basic tutorial around that change in the show notes and in the post that houses this podcast for November 25th, 2022 at overdriveonline.com slash overdrive hyphen radio. Okay, next in the round of voices. My name's Austin Kaiser, and uh, I work for my dad, Greg Kaiser, him and my grandpa, which is Gary Kaiser. We have about 35 trucks, full pneumatic tanks, dump trailers, and haul cattle. Austin Kaiser's thoughts about the connection between safety outcomes and the ELD mandate were short, simple, to the point, and reflected a view shared by many when we polled operators on ELD impacts. Mandate, they said, and as owner-operator John Hiley you heard also reference, further disincentivized downtime mid-shift, increasing congestion and the very opportunity for mishaps. When I was on the road, when I was trucking on the road, it really, I thought it was a, a negative impact just because you had so many trucks trying to get into a truck stop somewhere, you couldn't, you couldn't get a parking spot. Somebody that's dead, tired, you couldn't, you might have to travel another hour to find somewhere to park. And, uh, I, I don't think it's positive at all, but uh, I mean, there's some cases I guess it could be, but in most cases, I think it, it makes it a lot harder on the truck drivers, what I think. And next in the round, trucker John Rooney. My name's John Rooney. I've been driving for almost 31 years, and I drive officially for RNL carriers. I'd say it's having a negative impact. It's, there's plenty of studies out there to prove that it's not safer. I'm, I'm exempt, so I don't have to use it, but plenty of our drivers do have to use it. And even for what we do, it gets in the way. You know, and it, you know, it's, we should be able to drive when we want to drive and sleep when we need to sleep. And it doesn't allow for that. You know, when I was on the road, I spent, I mean, I, I've run 48 states and three Providence of Canada. And if you got tired, you just 
parked it and took a nap and you got back going and you, you know, worked your logbook out later, you know, it, it was a lot safer. I mean, now you've got drivers that just have to push themselves to get somewhere because the e-log won't let them, they don't, it doesn't give them that freedom. They have to, you know, if they take a break, it's got to be for 10 hours. Well, it doesn't have to be exactly. As noted previously, it is at least possible to use the 2022 Institute's split sleeper berth periods to effect without being penalized in your duty day. Too many newer drivers just aren't aware of their options in that regard, and many ELD systems out there, as we've previously reported, just don't handle the new split sleeper very well to make those options obvious. There's no electronic substitute to just knowing the rule, and hey, we're back to primary importance of training, of course. Rooney went on, echoing other commenters' prior thoughts on increased pressure to just go, go, go. It's not safe for the driver and not safe for the general public because they're forced to do things. With the old logbooks, we didn't have to, we weren't forced to drive the truck. We did, and when, we, when it was time to not drive it, we didn't drive it. That's been taken away with the e-log. Not a fan. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And owner operator Brent Hall voiced similar concerns, but also brought up the specter of previously ELD exempt trucks with pre 2000 engines coming under the mandate in future. Just last week, the comment period FMCSA opened a couple of months ago, in part asking the question of whether ELDs might be applied to post 2000 model year glider kits with older engines in them. That comment period just recently closed. At the time, it was fresh on the minds of many, and often interpreted, I think, more broadly than might be warranted to have signaled an agency intent to fully require some kind of electronic hours accounting for all pre-2000 trucks. Really though, their question pertained directly to newer gliders, nonetheless. Brent Hall from North Mankato, Minnesota. Just a single truck owner-operator of Holland Transport. Got a 386. White 386 Fitzgerald glider started as and just been modifying it from there. We do a drive van and reefer freight, little tank business here and there. It's an ELD mandate. Uh, I think it's been not a good scenario for the trucking industry. And then now they want to do the 99 and older, which I think myself that you can't force everyone to do something when the computer tells you to. Everyone's load's different, everyone's rates are different. I mean, every commodity's different, no matter what you're pulling. Um, that it's to the point where you can't have everyone be a robot and you gotta let people do what they can do and how they can do it and when they wanna do it. You know, within reason of the logbook, but it's, it's a tough call for everyone to do. Uh, I'm not a big proponent of the ELD itself. I'm kind of more, whether you want to call it old school or what, I've been doing this for 25 years and been through the ups and the downs. Next up. My name's Troy Massey, uh, owner of Tri-State Vacuum and Rental and also Massey Motor Freight out of Nacogdoches, Texas. Um, we operate a we operate a fleet of uh, of tanker trucks out of out of Nacogdoches, Texas, and then also a, a smaller fleet of uh, reefer trucks that run over the road. About 325 total units. Uh, my wife and I, Abby, 
Abby Massey. Fleet owner Massey also referenced the notion that substantially all pre-2000 trucks and engines might one day be required to use an ELD. I'm a pretty positive guy. So I'm a glass half full guy. Guys, we knew this was coming. I mean, it, it's, it's coming. And, and you can either get behind it and you can be resilient and you can figure out a way or you can say, I've had enough and this is not for me. What I will do is say, it's just the way it is now. And, and you know, I don't know that I got much more opinion on it than that. It's just all of my trucks are new. So I don't really, I think I've got two 99 models. So it won't affect us any. Uh, and, and I don't know, I guess, I guess my thought on it is if I summed it up into one saying, it's what I tell all the truck pushers and the, and the load bookers that work for us. I think about it like this from, from a business standpoint. I guess this is the, probably the best way I can sum it up. If you have to drive more than 14, or I say drive, when I say, I don't want, you know, the, the, the internet, you know, uh, army to come after me for dissecting the 14 hour rule. Okay, I, I understand what the 14 hour rule is. But if you have to work more than your 14 allotted hours to make money, then then your work is not paying enough so that's really that's really my view on the whole thing so if if you've got to if you've got to work more than 14 hours a day 11 hours driving or 12 hours on timesheet or whatever it is system that you use if you have to work more hours than that then you didn't bid enough on your work you got to bid more and, and i guess that's you know i guess that's probably my final my final thought on that Finally, we'll come back full circle to small fleet owner Bud Davenport. Hearing his commentary on training, on the restoration of pride in the business, I can't help but think that, though he doesn't see it, not directly anyway, I can't help but think that the ELD mandate has in fact impacted bedrock safety, it's well likely that the more and more narrow focus on compliance and on taking the quickest route toward it to get a driver on the road and making money has come at the expense of the bigger safety picture. From Davenport's vantage point, after a long career on the road, that's not a pretty picture. That, at least, is sure. I see these trucks tailgating these cars, and I'm like, man, I would not want my family around this guy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure because thing. he can't yeah. stop. He, he can't stop, right. you know. So, yeah, and I, I think that that's the biggest problem, is that we're not training these drivers i we, we have to teach pride we have to teach safety you know and, and and these companies today they're just in such a rush to get somebody behind a wheel and and move their products to make money but the companies are not taking time to teach pride to teach safety and to teach respect because you have to respect that truck if you don't respect that truck it will take you out you can, and I, t I tell people all the time, listen, you got one, you can disrespect this truck one, a thousand times, but it only take one time for the truck to disrespect you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you can, you can go, uh, you can drive as fast as you want to drive as many times as you, as you want to do it. But as soon as that truck disrespects you, it, you are on for the ride that is going to take you on. And, that, and that's not a ride you want to go on, you know. So I'm, I'm going to tell you, three million miles, three million, and I'm going to knock on some wood, <laughs> accident-free miles. 
That's impressive. It's actually in Fremont. So, and and one of the one of it is is I don't do what I'm not comfortable doing. I when it start, you know, there's a combination. If it if it's ice and snow, I don't go. I wait for the roads to clear. You know, and it's not that I haven't. When I was a young man, I would go out. I don't care what it was doing. It could be three feet of snow on the ground. I'm going to go. Roads going to freeze. But as I got older, I realized it's not worth the risk. It's not the worst, it's not worth, the, the, worth the risk of my life or the risk of liability. You know, because it, it doesn't happen. When you slide off the road, it's always your fault. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not the snow's fault. You shouldn't be out there. Yeah. You know? So I, I don't go. Um, I see these guys driving these trucks like they drive their cars. And you just can't do it. So that's why you see a, a rise in these accidents. Mm-hmm. An uptick. And it has nothing to do with the logs. It's all the drivers. It's all the drivers. So, you know, we have to, you know, bring this pride back into into what we do. Because we we are the backbone of this country. We keep this country moving. And, you know, I, I think that the, there, there probably needs to be a push that this country needs to push the people that, listen, these are, are, are men and women out here risking their lives every day to make sure that this country stay moving, that you get the goods that you need. Because it's, it's nothing that you touch, wear, smell, or taste. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just, it, that's that's what we have to do. And, and it has nothing to do with electronic blogs and government mandates. It's the people. Thanks for listening. Thanks for thinking. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. Set it and produced by me, Todd Dills, with the acoustic guitar and other support of trucker songwriter and Overdrive contributor, Long Haul Paul Marhofer. Theme is Legend of the Snake Man by Marhofer, featuring the guitar work of Travis the Snake Man himself, Whammock, Terry Two Socks Richardson on bass, keys by Tishamingo Jim Whitehead, and on drums, Mr. Andrew Marshall. Podcast is backed up further by Overdrive's own newsletter Matt Cole, social media coordinator Holly Young, executive editor Alex Lockie, and intrepid video editors Lawson Rudisel and Mr. Andrew Quinn. Big thanks again to Overdrive Radio sponsor Howes. You can find them at Howes. That's H-O-W-E-S, HowesProducts.com. Until next time, keep it pro out there. And stay safe, everybody. <laughs>